0: Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. A complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Seldon.
1: Well, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but there's a big old smile on my face because I just had the best conversation with an amazing woman named Robin McClendon. Robin is a wedding dress designer from Jacksonville, Florida, and you might be wondering why the heck is she on a podcast about interior design? Well, let me tell you, it's because Robin is building her dream home. And after multiple attempts to work with an interior design professional, she finally found someone to take her job on, and things did not go so well. Now, Robin's gonna talk to us about why it didn't work, but I really respect and admire her because she didn't want to throw this design professional under the bus. She recognizes that this woman was probably doing the best she could. She just really has never been trained on how you run a project from start to finish. For me, this was just a great reminder that if you are a member of Business of Design and you are implementing the BOD 15, you are running projects in a linear, efficient, straightforward manner. You're making your clients happy and you're making money. I know a hundred percent that that is true if you've actually implemented the steps. As we begin the conversation, she describes how she first met this interior designer. They went for lunch and I'm like, whoa, red flag, what? Going for lunch? And the first, are you kidding me? You haven't been hired. You don't know if you want to work together. It's not a date, right? I can't imagine wanting to hire a lawyer and saying, if you don't mind, let's go for lunch first and get to know each other. It's just not going to work that way. And it's not a good use of your time if you're the professional either. So that was a big red flag and then two seconds later, there was another and then another and another. So I didn't throw a red flag up every single time Robin said something that made me cringe, but I want you to know that there are a thousand things wrong with the way this relationship worked and Robin knew it as the client. She knew it, but she didn't know how to fix it and that's not her job. Anyway, it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I asked Robin to please come back and let us know how it's going with the next firm that she's hired. I hope this one is much more successful. In the meantime, you really should check out robinsbridalalterations.com. And you can follow Robin on Instagram at M Creations. If you listen to this podcast and you think, hmm, I'm doing some of those same things, the same things that this lovely woman is telling us don't work. I really do hope you'll consider joining us at Business of Design. We can help. If I can do this job successfully, anyone can. If you want to love your work again, if you want to be excited and eager to face every day, even though projects are challenging, you've found the right tribe. We're so glad you're here and let's hear some quick announcements and get into the show.
2: Thanks, Kimberly. Well, the year is just getting started and we already have a couple of events coming up this month. If you are in Toronto or surrounding area, join us at IDS Toronto on January 19th at 1 p.m. EST for Be the Expert. Kimberly's going to be presenting at IDS and talking about how to run your projects with confidence. Again, that's happening January 19th, 1 p.m. EST as part of IDS Toronto. Head to the website for details and you'll click through to the IDS website to get registered. Also coming up this month, our first BOD live member meeting of the year is happening on January 24th. I am going to be joined by BOD business partner Sierra Collins who is going to take us from aspiration to accomplishment this year. We are going to take a step back from the never-ending cycle of setting goals and then feeling frustrated when you don't achieve them within a certain timeline or you have unmet expectations as to where you would get with those goals. It really is about breaking those larger goals down into small, manageable, actionable steps in order to achieve them and that's what we're going to do together on the 24th so make sure you join us for BOD live again details are on the website businessofdesign.com we would love to see you at these events this month
1: Good morning, Robin. How are you?
3: Good morning, Kimberly. I'm well. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. We were just reminiscing about uh, the period of time that my brother and my niece lived in Jacksonville, Florida, which is where you're from.
3: Yes, we are in a little area, kind of a historic area called Ortega, okay beautiful and you're on the other side of the river where most people are familiar
1: with jacksonville okay so you're you're not quite in the thick of things you're kind of off in a in a quieter area
3: it is a little quieter yes and the homes around here are beautiful because they were built you know around the turn of the century so there's a lot of historical details which are really
1: pretty and you're building a dream home right now i understand
3: we're trying. <laughs> As you know, it's a process. It's like two steps forward and one step back, it seems.
1: Well, gosh, okay. Well, we're going to dig into that a little bit because this is a bit of an unusual interview, Robin is not an interior design professional, but you're building a home with someone who is. And before we get into why we decided to do this podcast, tell everybody what your background is and how your um, wedding design business, I guess, relates to our business of interior design. Sure.
3: Uh, Well, I started sewing when I was about 11. My grandmother taught me. um, I like to joke that I was a only child with overprotective parents and no cable. <laughs> so I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of sewing. Um, and I started with Barbie doll dresses and that transferred into making prom dresses. So by the time I was in high school, I was designing and making formal gowns and selling them through local bridal
1: stores in my area. Yeah, I don't think you're the only young girl who fell in love with Barbie dresses and became interested in fashion. I have another girlfriend, Sandy Wong, who ended up being a fashion designer, and she said it was because she would make Barbie clothes. hmm
3: Yeah, I think we all get to start that way. (laughs) Um, And so that transitioned um, into prom dresses, and I would participate in local fashion shows. I really wanted to go to fashion design school, and in fact, I received a scholarship to fashion design school because I had put together a portfolio, and I submitted that, Um, but I had also received an academic scholarship And so my dad was like, well, after you get a real, quote-unquote, real education, then if you still want to go to fashion school, you can do that. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. I really respected my dad. And he was, you know, he raised me pretty much as an only child by himself. So I just didn't want to disappoint. Um, So I went to real school. I went to university. And I'm like, well, what am I going to major in? So I jumped around a little bit. Um, Eventually, I landed on pre-med because
1: I love animals. I'm like, I'll just go to vet school. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I didn't see that coming. I thought you were going to say business because maybe you're going to run a fashion empire one day, but no, pre-med.
3: For some reason that didn't occur to me, I'm like, well, if I can't do what I want, then I'm just going to pick something completely different. But um, I never lost the desire in college. So I got into um, participating in pageants. So I would get clients to come to my dorm room. I'd make them pageant dresses. Um, I also got a job teaching ballroom dance classes. <laughs> so then I, went I made ballroom dance costumes, um, and I, you know, life happens, and I never quite made it to fashion design school. Um, I did use my degree to teach high school chemistry for about ten years, um, and while doing that, I opened a company called Rhinestone Dress Rentals, um, and that was a ballroom dance costume company where we would ship and receive rental costumes all over the country. Um, So that was fun for a while. I did have to eventually downsize all these businesses when my second son came along and, you know, life happens and things got busy. So I had to make some
1: tough choices. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely have the entrepreneurial bug. You just, you know, you just kept going back to working for yourself. How did you even discover business of design since that's not your business?
3: Right. So it started with the process of this home build um, because I'd reached out to some interior designers in my area and couldn't really get anyone on board right away. So I figured, oh, and to be honest with you, Kimberly, I had no experience with interior designers. And in my mind, I just figured, oh, they just make things look pretty. <laughs> <You> <laughs> That's know, okay. Sure. No,
1: I had the same misconception when I started design school. I was pretty shocked. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And so I'm like, I'll just listen to the Ballard podcast, which is how I found out about your podcast. And the more I realized um, that interior designers do more than just make things look pretty. I'm like, Oh, I really need to hire somebody to help me through this build with all these things that I don't even know that I don't know.
1: Right, right. So you, you ended up finding someone. Was it during the height of COVID? Is that why you say it was kind of hard to find somebody who was available? Or why was it hard to find someone available?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I reached out through some websites um, here locally and never heard back. And finally, I just showed up at someone's office, which is in walking distance to our, where our build's at. Because she, you know, I'm sure she knew the area. She was right around the corner. Um, and we're building on a beautiful piece of property. It's about an acre on the water, um, and it's great because my husband loves to look at the water, and I love to garden. So. There's a lot of gardening space for me. I'm a Florida master gardener. So um, it kind of fit the bill for both of us. And so I show up at the interior designer's office and she, um, we did it like a short little interview. She, she said I probably wasn't a good fit for her, um, but she referred me to somebody else.
1: Interesting. First of all, I'm just in shock that you sent inquiries through someone's website and they didn't get back to you. That just, I never it never even occurred to me that that might be a thing someone in this community would do. I had the opposite experience where if a client reached out to me, it didn't matter if it was nine o'clock at night. like I was on that mm-hmm. phone, I was on it, like I was ready to go, mm-hmm. uh, which is not really good optics either. But anyway, you finally wandered into someone's office, she says, "I'm not really a good fit for you, but she introduces you to somebody who she thinks is a good fit, and then I mean- what happens? Now, how are you in, are you working with this person right now?
3: Um, I have kind of wrapped things up with her and now I'm working with a new company. So
1: not a good sign. <laughs> that is not <laughs> that's not good because really what you wanted is you wanted to find someone who would take you from the beginning of the process to the end of the process and at the end be there and celebrate a happy, successful project with you. That's probably what you wanted, right?
3: Right, and I wanted some directional along the way because we have never built a home before, and like I said, I don't know what I don't know about building a home, and so I was hoping someone could walk me through all the pitfalls and you know walk me around things that I don't even know what I'm not
1: aware of. Totally. Yeah. So okay, so the the first impression of the interior design world not not very good. People don't get back to you, but finally you have someone and you begin the process of working together. How does that unfold?
3: Uh, well, I met her for lunch. Um, she wanted to get a sense of what I was looking for. Um, and I didn't really know, to be honest, what I was looking for. Because, again, this is process is new to me. I told her we did have some furniture in storage. She asked me, "Well, I need furniture? Well, I need this? And um, I felt like instead of her maybe asking what I needed, I felt... Maybe she should tell me, sell her services a little bit more and Mm -hmm. tell me what she does and how, what she can do benefits where we're at with our, with our projects.
1: Yeah. And already, I mean, what, I mean, one of the, when Robin reached out to us, you said like, I wonder how to work with someone who doesn't use business of design, 15 step project management strategy. And already I can see like, there's so many red flags before the projects even begun. Like why on earth? I mean, you wouldn't go for lunch with your surgeon before surgery. You wouldn't, right? You wouldn't go for cocktails with your lawyer before. You just, that isn't how it's done in a professional world. So already it's kind of an odd situation that you've found yourself in. It's not a date.
3: But <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I was. Wish- You know, I was just so desperate for anyone to help me at this point because we had already, we were about to break ground. So all our permits had been approved and we were just starting the process. And I was aware of what I was about to walk into and I was looking for any help that I could get at that point.
1: Okay. Let's assume lunch goes well. Somehow you decided, I'm going to work with this person, partly in desperation, it sounds like, because you were already like, I'm like, I should have hired someone six months ago, but here I am. So you decide to work together. What happens next? Tell us just what the process was like. Was there a process, I guess, is what we're kind of wondering about.
3: Right. Um, So she sent me her forms to read over the contract.
1: Everything looked pretty straightforward. Um, All right, ding, 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 ding. Already, I just have to say for anybody listening, that is not what you do. Okay, go ahead. That just—that's crazy, right. So right? I think
3: no. we're comparing and contrasting a non-BOD designer with right. Alcohol, right?
1: <laughs> Here, look it over in your leisure. You know, yes, get back to me if yes. you have questions. Well, yeah,
3: everything seemed straightforward. She decided to charge me just her hourly rate, which is two hundred dollars an hour, and okay. I'm cool. fine with that. Um, the original just. Just to let you know, the original designer that we met with that said she wasn't a good fit for us was $250 an hour, and we were happy to pay that as well.
1: <laughs> Interesting, because mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people listening, their fees are somewhere... Well, they usually start with the one, most most interior mm-hmm. design professionals. So here you are in Jacksonville, Florida. You're not in New York City. You're not in Los Angeles, right? and you're right. saying 200 250 mm, didn't really matter to me. Those are kind of the same number in my mind as a client. Yes. And you'd be willing to pay more if that person was really going to take over the project and relieve your the stress. Right. Yeah, I hope everybody hears that. I mean, that's not that's from Robin. That's from a client, <laughs> everybody.
3: Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. So after she sent the contract, we read it over. She wanted a $6,000 retainer. Um, so we went ahead and mailed that off Uh, she told me she was going to be in Italy for a month so she gave me a heads up on that um, which was fine and that she'd have time to work on my project when she returns so the first phase was I sent the plans over um, from our draftsman Uh, she did a small furniture arrangement in the living room and started with an electrical plan that she sent like in a PDF
1: form ooh yeah, we're both going hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Was it like a sketch or something? Was it just a hand? It was a
3: cat. It was a cat, I believe.
1: But a PDF. Pediat- but it mm- It was
3: like a screenshot of her cat form.
1: Okay, interesting. I yeah. uh, huh Okay. <laughs> I'm just not following. <laughs> okay. You're not either because like <laughs> why would this I don't want the drafts person to have to recreate it if you're speaking the same software. Right. you know work right. together well, there,
3: was a little bit, there was a little bit of a hang up with the whole process of the plans of the home anyway because the first contractor that we went with um, wasn't really seeing our vision and after six months of working with an architect and not getting anywhere with our elevations we decided to pivot and go with a different contractor who had just a draftsman so there was a lot of things missing on our plan that probably wouldn't have been missing if we'd continued with an architect. Um, however, we were running out of time because we had sold our home, which was pretty much paid off, and moved into a rental uh, less than half the size that we're used to living in with two children and a husband and a dog and two cats. And we signed a two-year <laughs> two agreement. And so the clock is really ticking here, right? And plus right. there's some tax, tax implications um, for moving in in certain times here in Florida. So there was a lot, long story short, there was a lot of things missing on our plans that wouldn't have been missing if we had gone with the architect. So I was hoping that the interior designer could fill in all those blanks and be a good communicator between what I was wanting and the correct vernacular of the contractor and how to put it in contractor terms and everyone could be on the same page.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm just, yeah.
3: Um, So that has not, was not my experience so far Um, with this particular designer. I felt like, I I feel like all these designers that I've come in contact with, except for the one that I'm currently working with, has just felt overworked, perhaps, and too busy. Um, For example, this previous designer I was working with would make appointments with me to talk about the project, to go talk about tile, and then she'd cancel on me at the last minute. Ooh. Um, So, you know, a lot of these things I've been picking out myself up to this point um, and just doing the best that I can. But I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with everything.
1: Oh, I can imagine because I've been doing this for a long time. And when I tackle a new project, I can feel overwhelmed and I'm Mm -hmm. arm's length removed. I'm living in my own home. There's no mess. There's no fuss. I'm not dealing with Mm. tax implications. I'm spending eight hours of my day focused 100% on the client's project. And if I can feel overwhelmed, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be a client in that situation. Really, really challenging. I feel like I would just want to say I'm so sorry because I have no doubt that everybody you've come in contact with who's in the interior design industry is a lovely human being. They're probably doing the very best they can but the truth is there's nobody out there teaching us how to run a business. There's really not. We I've met thousands of designers all over the world now. When we talk about what they've been taught in a business class, it's almost useless. And the fact of the matter is clients have two needs, two main needs. They want to know a budget and they want to know a timeline and everything else should speak to those two needs in a linear fashion. So. Um, you know, taking your client, your tired, exhausted, terrified client to a tile store in the middle of a, this kind of a storm of renovation is just not good. It's not good use of your time or, or their time, really. And uh,
3: to be fair, like, I am
1: I am a recovering type A perfectionist. <laughs> I could tell that by the 900 <laughs> businesses you launched. <laughs> and med school. Um, <laughs> FYI.
3: um So... My go-to is when I don't feel like someone has a good grasp on something is I tend to try to micromanage it.
1: Totally. And, yeah. And did, so
3: then I don't know what's appropriate. Like I don't want to over I don't want to treat her like a non-professional. I don't want to follow up with, "Okay, well you told me you were going to get this to me." well, when, <laughs> and you're going to do this, but how, and when, when am I going to receive these things? So I know what to expect. So I'm not blowing up her phone, like being like, okay, like I'm meeting with the electrician today. Am I going to have what I need? Um, and I want to be respectful of her time. And I realize I'm not her only client. Right. So I didn't want to reach out like after business hours or on the weekend, I felt like I gave, I gave this particular designer a long
1: Pathway along. Yeah. Stretch. Um, I mean, we're all listening, and what we're hearing is kind of the behavior of an ideal client, right? You're just really oh, respectful sweet. of boundaries and, um, but in my office, one of the rules is if a client has to phone and say, what's happening with this or where are we at with that, someone's getting fired because mm-hmm. they should never have to ask that question. It's literally our job to make sure the client knows what's happening next. And right.
3: And that's similar in my business as well, Kimberly. I work where deadlines are not an option. Right. <laughs> right. A bride is not going to reschedule her wedding because you know your cat threw up and you couldn't get something accomplished. Right. Um, so. So
1: Yeah. And even if that's true, the the bride doesn't want to hear about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, sorry, I'm canceling because don't blah, blah, blah. I don't care why you're canceling. What I care about is that I've waited, I've wasted this time that I could have been doing something more productive. Right.
3: And Um, in my business, a bride can go from zero to 60 very quickly. So it's important to really manage her expectations, and also sometimes
1: her mother's. That also sounds like our business. That's funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. How far in the process did you get? I mean, I'm just going to assume like it just goes from bad to worse. Like she just doesn't have the bandwidth and probably doesn't know how to run a project. Probably has great ideas, probably has aesthetic talent or whatever but just doesn't know how to write a project efficiently or effectively so how far down the path did you get with this particular designer
3: well in all fairness that may not be the case for all her clients maybe just for me I felt like maybe my project was too small and she didn't really want to invest a lot of effort or time into it Um, but we are currently at the end of framing uh, we have our roof on. We should be getting our windows and doors in the next couple of weeks and the air conditioning has been roughed in and the electrician
1: is coming today. And are you responsible for meeting the electrician and going through the switching plan or
3: I am today? Um, I, this new company that I've worked with has already given me an electrical plan um, to communicate because they're they took me on like at the very last minute, just literally a couple days ago. Um, and they're heavily involved in a project, so they're fitting me in as best they can and trying to get me up to speed with everything, which mm-hmm. has been delightful. Um,
1: do you get a better do you get a sense that they have better process and better systems and they're they're more capable? Yes.
3: <laughs> That's a capital
1: <laughs> Capital y, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. One of the things you mentioned early on was that you went for lunch and you were, So, wishing this design professional had told you what she needed for the project to be successful from her point of view. Like, in other Mm -hmm. words, you know, let me help you, let me get in line with how you run the job. But you were actually looking for this person to be the lead and to be the expert. So, now that you've been through all the bumps that you've been through, Mm -hmm. what are the kinds of things you wish, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, what are the kinds of things you wish would happen?
3: Um, going back to that initial meeting
1: or just working with the non-business of design professional off the top what are what are some of the things like that that you can think of
3: well this is a new process for me so I wish the um, interior designer had told me all the ways that their services can benefit me and for example like I don't know about a lighting plan or where the electrical plug should go based on the furniture arrangement Um, So for example, like when a client comes to me and they want um, a dress altered, my question isn't back to them, well, what do you want me to do to your dress, right? They just want me to make them look and feel beautiful. So I'll tell them what my process is. You need these straps tightened because they're too loose and that affects your hem. And I explain the whole process of how alterations work and why you need certain things. And I offer services based on what they're doing for their wedding. If for example, if they're changing from their ceremony gown to the reception gown, they may not need a bustle, but the, if they're staying in the dress, then I will offer a bustle. So as an interior design client, I didn't
1: know if I needed a bustle or not, right? Right, no, for sure. It'd <laughs> yeah, be really so helpful. I, like, I'm just thinking, what kind of contract wouldn't explain that you need a lighting plan, an electrical plan? Like, that's clearly in my contract. This is the kind of thing that we will do for you, we'll take care of that for you. Don't have to think about it. But it is my, and I've also had the experience, and I bet this is true with wedding dresses as well. Sometimes people come in and say, I need this to be altered in this particular way, when in fact, that's actually not what they need. I think it needs to be taken in at the waist. And you're like, no, your straps are too short. The hem is crooked and the this and this, and that'll correct the waist, right?
3: Yes. So for example, the look these days is to have the thighs really tight to give that hourglass shape. But if we make the thighs too tight, then as you walk, it's going to rise up and create some unflattering lines around the tummy, um, and you're going to be feeling like you're constantly pulling down the dress, and then you also can't sit in your dress. I was going to say... So while that looks beautiful in a photo, it's yeah. not
1: functional. I am somewhat amazed at how tight some dresses are, and I do wonder if they can... Do they have to eat standing? I don't know. Or maybe there's a little clip they put on for photographs and then they take it off so they can sit down and have dinner. I don't know. Yes.
3: Well, when they clip the models in these dresses, they're posed a certain way and then the dresses clip. So it's completely unrealistic about how a dress should function. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so... And imagine instead if I came in as the client and I'm telling I'm micromanaging everything you have to do to the dress. Now I need you to do the straps, okay? You fix the hem and that's great, but now I need you to do the straps, and then you finally fix that. And wait, the bustle's still not right. Like the stress that that would cause me as a client. Like I don't want to go to a plastic surgeon and have them say, "So show me the you know show me where I'm supposed to cut to make it look good for you." Like oh my gosh, no, you tell me. That's your
3: job job. Precisely. And this, this first interior designer that I met that said I wasn't the right fit for her, perhaps if she had asked me more questions about my project, I would have been a better fit. Um, cause she told me that she had a really big project and essentially my project was too small for her. Um, but because she didn't ask me the right questions about, you know, what I needed or sold me on her services, it could have been a lot, much bigger job than she probably thought in her
1: mind it was going to be. Right. And in my experience when a client tells me and I don't know what you told her, did you tell, tell her the square footage or what your budget was? But in my experience when a client, a new client tells me, you know, my budget is 500,000 or my budget is a million and a half or whatever. It's almost never accurate because they just don't know. And I'm sure that's right. true when you're buying a wedding dress, right? How much do you want right. to spend? I want to spend $2,000 terrific. This is what you can have for $2,000. Oh, that's not what I want. I want that one over there that's Mm $12,000, right?
3: That's exactly what happens. Some people want to maybe do something minimal on their dress, but then splurge on their veil, right? It's a give and take.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in hindsight, I guess, how would you as the client... Know who to hire in future. Like what would you be looking for from the beginning of the relationship?
3: Well, from what little I know about your 15 steps,
1: (laughs) I'd want someone to go over the contract with me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, begin, begin, yeah, by going through, because the point of the contract is to let the client know what they can expect. And it's also to hold me to account, these are the things I'm going to deliver, and this is the timeline, this is the budget, This is I'm going to do all these things for you and you have my word I'm going to do that because it's in my contract. And so that lets the client know, do, what, do they want to follow that process or not? You might look at my contract and say, oh, I don't like that, there's too, too much detail, I can tell this person's going to be too strict and too rigid, I want someone who's a little looser and a little more fun. That's totally fine, but I have to tell you what I'm like to work with.
3: Right. It has to be a good fit for both parties. But I do think the timeline would have been very helpful for me, you know, as a, with my personality, <laughs> to know what the timeline is going to be and to know when I can expect certain things. So I don't feel like I need to follow up with my designer at various intervals.
1: Well, and it's too bad because that's how we build trust, right? I build trust with my clients by saying, I will have that to you on Thursday and then I have it to them on Wednesday night or you know Thursday morning. I don't have that to them on Friday or next Saturday. Right, It's about constantly depositing those moments of integrity in the relationship so that the client begins to say, oh, she said she can't do it till next Thursday, but experience has shown me she always keeps her word. So I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to have it next Thursday. Right.
3: And I love how you said in your um, podcast that part of your process is to send little emails at the end of the week just Mm -hmm. as a recap Mm -hmm. i think that's great
1: yeah every week without fail no matter what's going on here's what we here's what happened on the job site here's what's happening next here here's some things you might want to be aware of um so everybody's on the same page and then when we're on this when we're visiting the site when we're doing job site checks we are also producing minutes and sending those through the clients we are on the job today you know by feel free to read the minutes uh, everything is working smoothly on our end and we're also finding out from clients like do you want minute detail or do you want big picture updates? Mm -hmm. Most Mm -hmm. of our clients want big picture. They don't, they they literally say, I don't want to be stressed out about stuff. That's your job. Just tell me that we're on track. (laughs) Like tell me that we're on time. Everything is good and you got it under control.
3: Right. Well, I haven't received any minutes or anything from this past designer that I'm no longer working with. Um, she never sent like spreadsheet of, Her minutes or her time. She just said, This is how much you have left of your deposit. And I'll probably just use that on some fabrics or something to make some throw pillows.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm, you know, the truth of the matter is, I really do believe she probably is doing the best she can. She just probably doesn't know how to do better. I don't believe, for example, that she's doing a better job on someone else's job. Like, because if you have a system, you're going to use it on every project. You're not going to use it on this project over here and then, you know, not use it on the next project. So she that just doesn't know how to run a project which is too bad because she probably has great ideas and they're just not coming to fruition. And it's heartbreaking for her too to lose a job, to lose the client, to you know, it's it's embarrassing. I don't know how big Jacksonville is, but no matter what, you always run into your old clients and you don't want to run into the ones that didn't work out. Jacksonville is a big, small town. Big, small town. Yeah. (laughs) I remember one event. I don't know if they still do it. my, My brother said there was something called the Ham Jamboree. Do they still do that?
3: Oh my gosh, no, I haven't heard of that. And then we have like a shrimp festival and a strawberry festival and
1: those <laughs> things. I've never heard of the ham. <laughs> he used to call it the ham jam, but I don't know. It was oh really gosh. fun. They, I don't know what it was. It sounded like a country fair or something like that, but huh. anyway, he had really happy memories living there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So you're going to have a roof and what happens next, is this next company going to take over and... Give you an interior design elements, you know furniture, window coverings, that kind of stuff.
3: Yes. um so they told me that they're scheduled free in about three to four weeks, um, and then we can kind of get back on schedule with getting this plan going. All right. It's exciting.
1: I feel like, will you update us and let us know in a few weeks if it's sure. gone better for you all? I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> and we have thought for so long that it would be a really great service if we could somehow let consumers know that people have gone through business of design training and have a process and are running their projects in a linear, logical fashion, because that really would give people peace of mind.
3: Yeah, I think it would be a win-win for both the clients and the designer.
1: Mm-hmm. What about the your wedding business? You did you have you been listening to some podcasts? Have you? It sounds like there's a lot of crossover between interior designers and wedding plant, wedding designers, wedding dress designers.
3: Surprisingly, yes, there is a lot of crossover just with your processes and routines and scheduling follow-ups setting um, client expectations and following through appropriately. So every, everything kind of crosses over except for the, what kind of design it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very excited uh, to meet you. I'm so happy that you decided to focus on the creative side of your um, brain because it seems like that, that just had to be. Have you used any of your pre-med training? Does that ever come in handy?
3: Uh, Well, I quit being a chemistry teacher when my second son was born, Um, and then I started just doing my business full-time. So it's kind of... uh, It helps. I I think it helps in my dress business because I can see the details, but I can also see the big picture. Mm -hmm. So I have both sides of my brain working simultaneously together.
1: I love it. Um, We like to end every episode with... We call it design intervention, but it's just a great piece of advice doesn't really have to be related to what we've talked about today. It might be straight from your wedding design business or dress design business. Uh, But what comes to mind that viewers might benefit from?
3: What's been helpful for me because I'm a People pleaser, and when people ask me to do things, I'd like to say yes. Um, so, for example, if a mom asks me to help with a bake sale at the school, my first inclination is, is to say yes. Um, but all those yeses really started to add up. Uh, and I was feeling stressed out. And in fact, a couple of years ago I interviewed as a, for a Florida master gardener, you have to go through an interview process. And they asked me, you know, what stresses you out and how do you deal with that? And what I wanted to first say was that my kids stress me out and I drink wine, <laughs> 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 but it was kind of a serious setting. So I decided that probably wasn't the best answer. I and mean, I'm like, well, I spent a lot of time really being intentional about things that I take on. Because, in order to say yes to this opportunity, I had to say no to a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And I think instead of making like when you're just making decisions, instead of making a pros and cons list, for example, think about if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? Mm -hmm. So, going back to that baking example, if I say yes to participating in this bake off at my kids' school, I might be saying no to the time that it takes for me to make a healthy meal for my family that day. Mm. And that's really small, but all those little things can add up. And for me, the biggest yes-no controversy was when my second son started preschool, it seemed like he was getting sick, like all the time. Mm. And so... I would miss work because I was taking care of him, and I was up all night, and then I would get sick, and then my other kid would get sick, and it was just like a roller coaster of of stress. And uh, I just I had to take some things off my plate, and I could have said yes to perhaps hiring a nanny and continuing on full steam ahead right. with my businesses, but because I grew up essentially that kid that was in daycare all day every day because my dad was a single dad doing the best he could, I chose to say no <laughs> to my work so i could say yes to being home with my kids more i and love in the design that. world i think that if you say yes to too many projects that aren't authentic to you then eventually you're gonna have to say no to one that potentially could be because you're overworked and you just don't have time for it
1: i love the reminder to be intentional like saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else and just just be aware of that. I'm like right. you, I'm wired for yes. It's a mm-hmm. joke. I'll be at a party and a girlfriend will say, "Hey, I was thinking we should" and I'll go, "Yes." And everybody will laugh because I don't <laughs> whatever it is, I don't care. I'm going with you and I'm going to do it with you. But you're so right if I'm not intentional, I can use up all of my energy on things that aren't as important as something that I'm neglecting because I'm too busy doing something else. Right. Oh, uh, it was so great to meet you, everybody. You we will put a link to Robin uh, to Robin's company, so you can see some of her work on uh, in the show notes. And will you please follow up with us, Robin, and let us know how Absolutely, the renovation Kimberly. progresses? I'm sending good vibes your way. I hope it goes just beautifully with this next company. We need them to be amazing for you. Thank
3: you. I think that they are. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm honored and delighted. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.